listener exclusive. Say that's not the case, we'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one cup. It is a Monday, the 28th of March. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL adjacent podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson. And what a round of football, Will. Buddy kicks his thousand. Collingwood has a go at the twerp. Uh, the Bulldogs uh, crash to zero and two. The Saints go to one and one. I mean, it's nothing but good good times, right? Right. And I can't wait to hear all about it from you because I have not been paying any attention. <laughs> I, I will say I did, and hopefully we'll catch up with Adam Spencer later in the show to actually run us through being an eyewitness at Buddy's Thousandth. But it was hard to miss mm. that. Despite the fact that I still, two rounds yeah. in now, have not seen a game of AFL football this season. In fact, I've not even seen a minute of AFL football this season. I have seen the reporting and the vision around Buddy Franklin kicking his thousandth goal. That was that was big enough that it leaked out, even if you weren't looking for AFL news. Well, I believe when we did our tips Thursday night tips on Instagram that you and I both doubted Buddy's ability to kick four goals on Friday night, and so. I was actually doing a bit of work Friday night and I had the AFL going on my phone and was just sort of had the sound down, was occasionally glimpsing over at it. And got to about half time and I was like, well, I think we're pretty safe here. Like he's only kicked one goal. I don't know he's going to get another three. And then things started to change. And then I had to actually watch what happened. And fair to say, like, I don't know if I don't want to put myself in the category of Kane Corns and Damien Barrett. Like, I don't want to be one of those guys. It's like, oh, come on. Like, you know, anything could have happened. It could have gone wrong. Hang on. Do we but feel, it, a, do we feel I a twerp not, coming I, on? Are you about to be a twerp? I, I feel, I don't know if I'm feeling a twerp, a twerp but I would just say that my, my experience of watching it, like, yes, amazing celebration of football, goodwill, beautiful, that aerial shot. I'm not sure if you've seen that, but like the aerial shot of, you know, 30,000 people streaming onto the ground is incredible. And something that I've noticed, like there's been various international sports shows that are like, yeah. what the fuck is happening that, in that Australia? Is, that was, like, that's when you get a real insight into what's going on, isn't it? When you see the, yeah. like, the Americans in particular, but really just like everyone overseas going, so this guy kicked a thousand goals, which I think is good, but then everyone in the crowd just ran onto the field and the Australians seemed cool with that. <laughs> Well, the funny thing is, like, all America is getting yeah. from us at the moment is, like, COVID lockdowns and then this. So they see footage of, like, protests in the street and police pepper spraying people. And then they see this and, like, oh, good, the people are fighting back. It seems yeah. like revolution. <laughs> revolution is at hand. And this guy, this Franklin guy, must that, be their leader. <laughs> Look at them carrying him on their shoulders. The Che Guevara of Australia. But I... I was watching it and I I was getting anxious like because mm. uh, I was expecting that they would do what they normally do when play kicks 100 and they'll get like a ring of security around him and then shepherd the player off. But that no. didn't happen. And it just felt like, and also the commentary around it as well, like you could sense that BT and um, uh, I think it was JB, they were they were kind of hesitant themselves and they were, it was kind of just like making me go, oh, what are they seeing something that, 
maybe I'm not seeing here because like, oh, this is this is getting a little out of hand here and, and security are nowhere in sight. And so I just kept sort of, because I know that it's like they're all Swans fans and they're all there to hug Buddy and stuff, but that many people and they're fucking pissed as well because, all right, fine. The Buddy thing, nothing bad happened. They got him off the ground. But then to see like all the chaos that happened after that, like I'm not sure if you saw the, uh, they did a live cross uh, uh, to, uh, to, um, to, God, Lewis, what's his name? Um, Jordan Lewis. Jordan Lewis. Um, he did a live cross in which, like, it started off normal, but then some people on the field started to see that there was a camera. <laughs> and it just turned into, <laughs> like, absolute carnage, where he even, like, lifted the elbow at one fan. Some guy was tugging on his shirt. <laughs> I was going to say, th- that is the more dangerous situation. <laughs> yeah. Like, running out to Buddy. Buddy was cool with that situation. He was handling it fine. But, like, you don't want to be taking on Jordan Lewis. He will deck you as soon as look at you. Well, I love the way that but Jordan Lewis's appearance is such a fashionista. Like, he has, like, the fashion specs and he wears, like, the nice suit coats. And, you know, he he looks, like, really unassuming. Clark Kentish, in a way. But then when you remember how he played, it's like, oh, yeah, you are tugging on the wrong guy's collar. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, think, you know, that's Jordan Lewis. Buddy starts running over. Just go, guys, guys, don't do it. I played with him. You do not want to take him on in this situation. <laughs> I, I, what I did well, love was, um, Buddy, from what I saw of it, and and maybe he wasn't like this all the time. I haven't seen him look panic, but all I saw were the images of people essentially getting selfies with him. Because this is the first thousandth goal that has happened in the selfie era right the selfie generation yeah. so yeah. everybody was like filming content like there's been all these like tiktoks and youtube videos and stuff like there must have been dudes like running out there with their like with gopros and stuff like that because there's like action footage of them running out and then being in the middle yeah. of the pack and buddy like posing for photos and stuff and it is a very it felt a very modern moment yeah it felt very christ-like like there are some amazing stills, like photos that were taken of him in the center of this adoring masses. And it's like, I mean, you know, like you see that footage in, in South America when there's like pitch invasions where they really take their football seriously. Like it's, a, you know, literally life and death in some situations. And you can kind of see it. Like um, that's where Buddy should have declared his intention for run, you know, to run for parliament or something, because he would have at least had 30,000, 36,000 votes. Well, you know, the other thing is, I think the reason Buddy handles it pretty well is I imagine that there's been a period of his life, probably 10 years at least, where that was the reaction to every time Buddy Franklin walked into a nightclub. Yeah. Like he's just (laughs) used to people flocking towards him and wanting to get selfies with him. He's like, this is my natural environment. Like, I think someone poured a beer in his mouth and he was just like, you know what? I'm in plenty of clubs where some strangers come up and poured something in my mouth. This is actually very comfortable for me. I was loving it. Well, let's uh, we'll, we'll leave the buddy chat because, uh, as you said, Adam Spencer is mm-hmm. going to be joining us a bit later to talk more about it. So let's get to some of the other results. And, Will, the 80s are back. The 80s are back in a big way. Hawthorne and Carlton and Collingwood now, top of the table, mm-hmm. looking very, very good. So you didn't see any of the game against the Bulldogs, but... Uh, nothing gives me greater displeasure than to say that Carlton were very impressive. Like they look really well coached. They look like they're very balanced across the field. They've got enough superstars where it counts, really great spine. And Patrick Cripps, my God, he's going to win the Brownlow. Like if he can maintain this form, he doesn't even need to play this well the whole season. If he plays like this for the next like seven or eight rounds, he's going to get three best on, he's going to get best on ground every time and win the Brownlow. There might be a fellow by the name of Christian Vitraka who might have something to say about that based on what I've seen him do in the first couple of rounds, well, or at least heard reports of him doing in the first couple of rounds. But 
But yes, isn't it good that Cripps is back? Yeah, amazing. It's amazing. He, and he, uh, like, I, I dislike Carlton not for their individual players. I dislike Carlton for their their culture and, and the history of the club. But I do love Patrick Cripps as a player. You know who must be just loving watching this? I think two people in particular must be loving watching Carlton do this. Gangsters? Ross Lyon and Liam Jones. Right, yeah. They must, yeah. Ross Lyon and Liam Jones must be getting together to watch the Carlton games and commiserate about what what could have been. Well, it's funny, isn't it? Like, well, this was uh, the game coached by Ashley Hansen. And I'm like, should the Blues just get rid of Michael Voss? Like, is it too late to swap coaches midstream? Like, they were impressive in round one. But the Bulldogs came at them. Like the Bulldogs actually yeah. got their game together in the second half. And if not for some, you know, inaccurate kicking and stuff, could have been well in the contest. But then they just flexed their muscles in the last quarter and got away. Now, the Bulldogs, uh, I, don't, I know you haven't been paying any attention, but um, there are some issues going on at the Bulldogs. One which you know all about, which is your back line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's always been an issue. <laughs> that's an issue, but We've I think always by- we had an issue in the background. But we just we just found a way to kind of yada yada yada. Oh, she's in the backline all the way to the grand final. But yes, we well, have okay. some backline issues. So you get some backline issues. Bont is clearly playing injured. I don't know if it was from an injury yeah. in round one or if he was carrying something into the season. Like, yeah. look, he did his ankle. Yeah, he ran one, and he's yeah. He uh, look. I got the impression that he probably shouldn't have played this week, but he did because he's captain and he could get out there. But perhaps you know. And a thirty percent bond is is better than better than no bond. And like he still did okay. Like Bont's bad performance is most players' good performance. But you know you'd rather sort of see him take some time out and, and get back to full fitness. But the other thing that struck me, well, there's the Aaron Norton thing. Like he's really missing Josh Bruce. Like he can't do it all. You need another foil, and I don't think that Mitch Hannon. He played okay, but I think you need another tall. Like you need Jamara to really come on quickly or or, or find some. I don't know what you've got in your in your pantry. Have you got any talls just sitting around in the twos that you can you can bring in? Just to you need a cozy. No, like if if Shacky had played well last week, that would have been a good like you know solution. Um, you know maybe if Martin you know plays and you play English forward more. But yeah, like I don't think we do have a good replacement for Josh Bruce at this stage. Who would have thought that the vital cog in our premiership dream was Josh Bruce? But I think it is. And he's not going to be back until late. I don't think Jamara is going to, on what we've seen, like he's probably, you're looking at next season or the season after being hopefully where he really comes into his own. It's not like he's going to... He doesn't strike me as that crash and bash kind of player anyway. Like he's a real mobile, tall forward. But you need a battering ram. You need a guy to kind of like put in blocks and, and get in the way and allow Norton to run and jump and, and get some space. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that sort of struck me about the Bulldogs, like their greatest strength has always been their midfield. And you've got so many like A-grade midfielders that you don't know. It's like you're spoiled for midfielders. You're like, oh, man, like I'm overflowing midfielders. I'll, I'll throw someone on the halfback flank. I'll put some on a wing. I'll put one in a forward pocket. But I think that's now becoming... A bit of an issue like you actually need more dedicated um uh, role players and an actual genuine sort of flankers and genuine sort of forward line pressure players as opposed to part-time like midfielders because i think it's going to be the lipinski effect where someone's going to be a gun midfielder who's like i don't want to play 60 percent game time in the forward pocket i want to be the number one guy in the midfield and i think it's it's sort of becoming a bit of an issue for the dogs because 
you've got so many great midfielders, but then it's at the expense of all these other positions on the ground. Not to say it can't be fixed. And, you know, they've been, they haven't been bad in these two games that they've lost, but there's a lot of holes that need to be plugged right now. I think the Bulldogs are one of those teams that when we're not winning, you can see all the, the reasons that, it's, that we're not winning. But when we're winning, they, all those bits seem to work. Like, you know, and that's, that's always been the Bulldogs. We don't have that bankable, consistent, this is clearly the best list in the competition vibe about us. There is just something that Beveridge likes to do when he can get it all working at the same time that can be quite magical. But at the moment, I mean, look, I'm not going to panic yet. I mean, I think we'll probably be zero and three after this week because Sydney are clearly a really good side and we're, you know, we've got some issues at the moment. But... Like, I, it's still not enough for me to panic. Like, both of those games, as far as I've, like, heard the reports, both the Melbourne game and the Carlton game, we we were in right near the end. And then they, yeah, look, kicked away and whatever. But we, you know, we haven't been a million miles away. We were we were up, you know, we were up in a grand final halfway through the third quarter and we've lost a couple of games to two pretty good teams so far. I'd, I'd like to think that the Bulldogs still have time to get their shit together this season. But, yeah, it does feel like there's a couple of other sides that have made big advancements. Melbourne being – like, it feels like Melbourne are a better team than Melbourne were last season. And I think that's what everybody else is being measured by. Can you get your team to be better than Melbourne? Like that, and I don't think at the moment there's a version of the Bulldogs that is better than Melbourne. No, I mean, is there a chance that Bevo, he saw the success of Bevo's bottom boys and is like, well, look, if we do that well playing from the bottom of the eight, how well will we play from the bottom of the ladder? Like maybe is that Bevo's motivation is like, I get the guys, I, we burrow as, as, as close to the bottom as we can get. He's probably devastated that Port Adelaide got thrashed because Bevo was like, well, that last spot is ours. And then we're just good. That's how we mount our assault. Do you think that could be something that Bevo's trying? Yeah. I, I mean, Bevo stated is, is what he would have been, I would imagine, in that situation. And at the moment, we're the top of the bottom. Of the teams that have won no games, we're the top yeah. team of the bottom teams. Doesn't work. No. We don't really need to be top bottom. We need You've to got be to be the bottom top. of the bottom. Yeah, exactly. So we need to go bottom bottom <laughs> yeah, before we can become bottom top. So maybe this is what he's doing. Maybe Bevo's just gone, the success of the bottom boys was so strong last year in fact maybe the only thing yep. that really cost us the grand final was that moment in that third quarter when Bont kicked that goal we went 17 points ahead BT said that we were going to win and Bont was going to win the you know the Norm Smith medal and suddenly in that moment you know what we weren't anymore we weren't bottom boys we were top boys and that's where yeah. the game changed yeah. right so Bevo's gone we can't have that happen yeah. again like we've got to like base this whole season on being bottom boys and so like Start of the season, we've got, you know, Melbourne, we've got Carlton, we've got the Sydney Swans. That is just a great run of games where I where we can be bottom boys. You know, we can be zero and three, yeah. st- base our entire season on being bottom boys. Can I ask you, mm-hmm. there is a banner I noticed in the, the Bulldogs cheer squad, mm-hmm. which has, had, has me baffled. And it's like a big bed sheet and on it are stitched the words, my name is Marcus Bont. And I'm baffled by that because firstly, the person holding up the banner, as far as I can tell, is not Marcus Bontempelli. Secondly, is he ever known as Marcus Bont? He's always like the Bont or Marcus Bontempelli. I've never heard him referred to as Marcus Bont. 
What is going on? Well, maybe you have mistaken this, though. Maybe there is a guy in the Bulldogs cheer squad whose name is Marcus Bont. And he wants to point this out to people because he thinks... Probably didn't even barry for the Bulldogs before Bont and Belly got there. <laughs> you got to, hey, Bont, you've got to like hear about this. There's this new player at the Bulldogs. They just drafted him. His name is Marcus Bont and Belly. And he's like, well, my name's Marcus Bont. That's really similar. <laughs> Why is no one picking up on this? Why am I not getting some press on the fact that his name is Marcus Bontepelli and they call him the Bond and my name is Marcus Bond? And so he's just gone, fuck it. I'm going to get a bed sheet and I'm going yeah. to stitch into it. My name is Marcus Bond and I'm going to take it to the game. <laughs> and his nickname, strangely, is the Bontepelli. It's really, really confusing. <laughs> or do you think that... He wanted to do Marcus Bontempelli, but he ran out of space and he really realized, fuck, that when I put my name is at the start, that was really, I should have used that for the last bit of his name. Uh, Now, Collingwood also uh, looking the goods. I mean, look, they beat beat Adelaide, which is, Mm. you know, Adelaide are probably going to finish in the bottom four. Um, They're playing an attractive brand of football. My concern about this is that Nathan Buckley is commentating a lot of these games. He's done two in a row now. Mm-hmm. And they often go to him at halftime to talk about Craig McRae's, you know, tactics and performance. Is this a little bit like asking someone to go analyse, like, uh, you know, the ex has gone on a date and it's like, yeah, just um, sit in and just uh, see how their new partner is making love to them and then come back and tell us what you think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, sure, they're producing a couple of orgasms. I get that, but they're having a crack, aren't they? They weren't having a crack under me. Like, that's the problem at the end. I had a plan for an orgasm. I had a very good plan for an orgasm. I thought everybody was on board for the orgasm plan. But you know what? Sometimes if the other person can't get it up, that is not my fault that I can't get an orgasm. (laughs) Um, The scare... Okay, so we're saying the 80s are back. you got Collingwood Powerful, Hawthorne. Great. I mean, Hawthorne of... Poor Hawthorne supporters. They had to endure that, uh, you know, two-year period where they were no good. and well, now... <laughs> It's like eight months or something where they weren't any good, right? Yeah. And now they're back. So Hawthorne and Collingwood and Carlton are good. But thank God, Essendon, uh, stopping it being a clean sweep of the 80s returning. <laughs> like... <laughs> I mean... And doesn't uh, Zach Merritt, my, my boy Zach Merritt, you're, you're, who yeah. I've always been a big fan of Zach Merritt, he's got... He's got, I believe, the Charlie, the dreaded syndesmosis. Yeah. I, the dreaded. He's got the dreaded. High ankle, high ankle syndesmosis. Yeah. That's a real shame. I mean, look, I, I joke about Essendon. I don't actually have anything against Essendon the way I do with, with Carlton. Um, but it is an inauspicious start to the year. They've had tough games, let's be honest. But uh, they're facing Melbourne next week and they're going to be three, zero and three, you'd think. Um, what happens from here? Is it going to be another 3,000 and whatever days it is since Essendon has won a final? Well, I would be more worried about Essendon than I am about the Bulldogs. If they're both 0 and 3 after the first three games, I'd still think that the Bulldogs could... You, you, could, you wouldn't think that two teams that are 0 and 3 after three games could both make the finals. And I'd still be more confident the Bulldogs could do it than Essendon based on how they've started. But... You, the, the thing about the Bombers is you just never know. Mm. It just could be one of those things. Like Melbourne have to lose at some stage, you know. Just chances are they will lose a game at some stage. And you could just imagine Essendon just having one of those days where they they come out and they 
but even while I'm saying this, based on me seeing no football, I know that what I'm saying is untrue. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see any way that Essendon will beat Melbourne. The other thing I would say too is that everyone just fucking call your Jets. Like, do you remember last year, like Brisbane lost, mm. I think it was three out of their first four games and everyone's like, oh, Brisbane have lost it. And then they ended up paying a prelim. Everyone's written off Port Adelaide after their loss to Hawthorne. And... It was a dispirited performance. It was the same performance that they delivered against the Bulldogs in that prelim. Um, but everyone just chill for a second. Uh, I think that you can't really make an assessment on where the season's going until what, like round six, maybe even like round 10? Yeah, they say, I think that the theory is round eight. By round eight, you can have a really good sense of, yeah. you know, what the top eight might be. But I mean... They said it wouldn't change last year and it changed, I think. Like, I mean, yeah, it, people do love to catastrophize. And I, that's even, I know we'll talk about Buddy Franklin with Adam Spencer, but some of the commentary I saw around that, and there was somewhere that was like, there was a fire alarm went off at the, the MCG, MCG or something. Yeah, during Did the Collingwood Adelaide game. See that story? Yeah. There's been a, a lot of what if <laughs> because no one was really hurt badly in the Buddy Franklin thing and no one was hurt badly in this like fire emergency alarm thing. But the footy shows seem to have been, you know, a fair amount of people going, yeah, but what if, let's game out the scenario if someone had got hurt, if something had gone seriously wrong. And you're like, yeah, but it didn't. Like it literally happened and nothing went wrong. So why do we have to like play out this scenario of if something had gone wrong? Well, I mean, the twerp was leading the charge in that. I mean, it was amazing to see like how, uh, because in my head, after the buddy kicked his thousand, I'm like, how will Kane Corns turn this into a negative? And, And there you go. He found a way to do it. Uh, the Collingwood cheer squad obviously had a bit of a dig at him. Um, you probably saw the photos of that with their with their banner. Uh, let me bring it up. So the banner said, um, black and white stripes on the G, looking nice, flying around the crows, powerful, quick, precise. And then they dropped down key letters. So it spelled out Kane the Fun Police, which I reckon is great. Like have a dig at Kane. Uh, for his comments it's last week. Very, very clever. Yeah, very clever, but also didn't go hard enough. It's, fun, it's actually a very... <laughs> like, you know? where where was the see you next Tuesday, Kane? That's what I wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, like, if there anyone from the Collingwood cheer squad or anyone from any cheer squad is listening and they want to have a dig at Kane this week, if you've won two in a row, um, how about you do two wins equals wrapped players? And then like a two, hashtag two guys, one cup, which will spell, Will? Uh, two, two, two wins. wins. Oh, twerp. twerp. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we got there in the end. And Will, Adam Spencer has just joined the podcast. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup. This is the first time you've done it with both Will and I. I know you've, you've guessed it when one of us has, has been away, but this is the first time you've been in with the, the complete list, right? Warner chips it to the midfield. Quick handball, back to Warner. Ding kick, Franklin on the lead. Sorry, uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's the first time I've had the pleasure of conversing with the both of you on the topic of AFL football and what a morning to do so. Buddy's 1,000. Dang, I didn't want to give it to him and then have to go out some other gate of the ground and wander around the SCG to get back to the changing rooms. This is one of the fascinating, this is one of the great stories. Chad Warner and Ollie Florent couldn't get round to the players' race where they were meant to go down to the Swans' rooms. They could get as far as the access to the Geelong changing rooms. So an official said, look, come down this way, but you can't get from one dressing room to the other. They had to go out on a driver avenue. They're walking down the SCG. And because this all happened with only five minutes to go in the game and it was over, a lot of people having seen that and got on the field then decided to leave. So Chad and Ollie 
are stopping for selfies with fans in full kit and then trying to get through a sea of people leaving the ground going, if you could just let us in, we're actually playing and they're, they're starting any minute now. That'd be awesome if you could. The other great one, Dane Rampey sat down at an impromptu picnic on the ground and shared a pie with someone. I mean, that seems pretty on brand for Dane Ramby. To be honest, yeah. that, like, regardless of whether it was a thousand-goal celebration, I'm sure he's done that a couple other times at the SCG. The only thing that's it's really surprising the... is it's a pie, not some sushi. Yes. Yeah, and, and he sat on the ground and didn't, didn't climb a post to get to them. <laughs> eating eating during, like, uh, the game is not unusual. Like, Tony Lockett famously would get hot jam donuts uh, in the change rooms at quarter time and half time as well. So I think he's just maintaining the Bloods tradition. Well, this was the crazy thing about it all. So there was only five minutes to go in the game when it happened. And the plan was from the moment he kicked it, everyone on the field, everyone off, that'd be a 20-minute break, three-minute you know, warm-up and we're back in. The quarter ended up running almost an hour. It was a good 30, 35 minutes off. And some of these guys have been flogging themselves for two hours up until then. And so thankfully, they all just played a little bit of bruise-free kick to kick after that because these guys are not trained to play almost an entire game break for 30 minutes have a pie go for a walk down driver <laughs> avenue and then run around again <laughs> will do you remember in your junior footy days when you, you would have to go from like the change rooms to the ground and sometimes you'd have to go on the footpath it is the most treacherous thing walking on concrete in studded boots like i'm surprised one of them didn't do an ankle or a knee that that's especially on a, on a, on a wet night it got a bit dewy towards the end of the night as well well, also, um, I didn't Zach Tui from Geelong, like, essentially shirt front, one of the spectators <laughs> who was running out to the ground. The, the, the Zach Tui, Tui story was awesome. He's running off trying to get safe. This Swans guy comes at him. They just look at each other and collide. I don't think I don't think it was late and intentional. And I, don't, no. I don't think Tui changed his line. But he barreled no. into this guy, and no, they both don't. sort of stumbled on. Zach Tui looks down on the ground and realises the guy has dropped his wallet and keys. Yep picks him up, chases the guy back into the group, taps him on the shoulder. Guy looks around thinking Zach Tui wants to clobber him for running into him and says, in his beautiful Irish lilt, mate, you, you lost your keys and your wallet. Have a good night. And then headed back into the mayhem. I mean, it must have been confusing for Zach Tui because there's nothing like what happened in Gaelic football. Like, this is... Like, that's... Like, I mean, A, there's not... Like, if that many people in Ireland start rushing onto the ground, you fear for your safety. I don't think you're going back to give anyone their wallet or their keys. <laughs> yeah, and people said, people who were there for Plugger all agreed that, you know, the Plugger thing was amazing 20 years ago. It was nothing like this. There were 36,000 people in the crowd. And without a word of a lie, at least 30,000 of them went onto the field. I was up one level with a really good mate, and everyone running on with it, and we thought, Okay, look, we'll walk down and we'll walk 10 metres on the field, take a photo and leave. We won't go into the, you know, the melee. As we came out and hit the stairwells where the people from level five above us, which is the massive, sort of like your, your MCG Great Southern Stand equivalent, just this giant, we were trying to merge into this traffic of thousands of people coming down from the top deck. It was just a sea of humanity. Impromptu games of kick-to-kick are breaking out. Did you see the story of the woman who emptied her grandma's ashes on the scg <laughs> because she was such a massive swans fan but, but also i love that this is clearly something that this woman has thought through like get this woman in charge of stuff because this is a forward planner that we need this is somebody who's gone you know what the thousand girls this is it, it felt like an ocean's 11 style move you know while the big while the big fashion shows on we're going to rob the met gala this was very much this woman's version of i'm just going to get those ashes out there on the ground mate i've i've accidentally gone to those venues with half a bottle of 
water still in my bag and they basically draw a weapon on you. Yeah. How do you smuggle a suspicious looking powder that happens to be your nan into the footy? I mean, I, I like to think she did it Shaw, Shawshank style, you know, like that she was going out there and she was just shaking it down her leg. <laughs> just... The thing that worries me is, remember a few years ago, there was, a, there was a lot of controversy about players taking a leak at quarter time. They'd just squat down on the grass and just lift their shorts and take a piss. Like, this is a real danger. This woman thinks she's honouring her grandmother. She may be dishonouring her for years to come. Oh, then again, mate, if you're, if you're a true Swans fan, the thought of, you know, Dane Rampey taking a quick piss on you at quarter time in a big game. You, yeah. there, are, there, are, there are worse ways to usher into the afterlife, if you know what I mean. Now, Sorry, um, Dane. You're the stats guy, Adam Spencer. Like, I mean, yep. obviously a thousand goals, maybe never will be seen again. Um, we talk about Buddy Franklin, but the number I want to talk about is 19. How many of those people now have COVID-19? How many of the Swans are out with COVID-19? From what I understand, and this is not official news from the club, but I, I think the Swans played this pretty well. There was a massive thing of COVID went through the Swans at the end of last season. So the guys all presented, and this is all in the in the public realm, they, they presented fit for the final training of the year, which was December 17. Everyone passed the test. They went out to some social function after that. Two days later, everyone's got COVID. Ruins Christmas a little bit. But as opposed to the thing you've got with the West Coast Eagles where they're just knocking on random doors and going, have you got a pair of boots? Hop on the bus, come down to the ground. The Swans, as far as I understand, a very a significant number of people have already got. Now, whether you can get this one again and all that sort of stuff. So if it turns out that we've dodged it through this, the Swans COVID management strategy of let it rip over Christmas, New Year, <laughs> and su supported obviously by the New South Wales Premier, um, it turns out to be an absolute masterstroke. Yeah. Well, it turns out their crowd control uh, policies also let it rip. <laughs> Everybody get on the ground. Yes. So, Spence, tell me, I was watching that from my television. I was getting anxiety when it started because I'm like, oh, this just feels like it's going to get out of control. Being there at the stadium, did you feel like this could go pear-shaped at any second? People who were right in the middle of it describe it as like a, a big day out type mosh. And there were some stories of some people stumbling a bit and everyone getting them up. I get the impression it was manic and intense, but everyone had an eye out for each other. And it wasn't that sort of rock and roll stadium crowd thing fueled by just an anger and a, an aggression to get somewhere so it was a, it was a wild ride but i haven't heard any stories of anyone being hurt i'll be honest with you i would have expected a larger security and police contingent possibly <laughs> or, or any. and would have ex and, yeah well i get the impression those that were there spent more time at the the fence telling people okay now please don't come on yeah. rather than saying Let's get over to the players and form a really tight ring. And they only got back to the race because Buddy was basically directing the crowd. Even the people well, were trying to lift him up on shoulders. He's going, no, I'm fine, but we really need to start yeah. going this way, guys. There was one guy who looked like a security guy who was uh, like yeah, escorting him around a little bit. And you were like, oh, okay, good. At least one of them got out there. And then someone mm. said, oh, no, no, he's not security. He's just a very dedicated <laughs> Sydney Swans fan who's just <laughs> taken it upon himself to yep. help clear the path. Some some people packed their Nan's ashes. Yeah. Others just packed a fluoro vest and yeah. thought, I'm going to get yeah. right into the action here and look like a concerned citizen. But is this why they missed it, Adam? Because like... Like, as you said, they were probably telling everybody, please don't run on the ground. But also, I imagine if you're the security people, you're not allowed to run onto the ground 
until he kicks the goal. And what I loved about uh, some of those Sydney Swans fans <laughs> where they had a remarkable yeah, level just... of passion about of the fact confidence. that he was going to kick that goal because they, as soon as it came off his boot, they just went. If that, if that if that thing had, and Buddy's kicks sometimes yeah, do swing at the end. At the, just just snake a little bit at the end, and these people were 50, 60 meters on it. There would have been it would have been like Wiley Coyote in the Road Runner when he goes over the edge of the cliff, just sort of spinning back. Whoop! Sorry, up up up! I'll be gone. They have, yeah, to, and, they have to turn them back around, and there's a woman uh, like scooping ashes back into it. <laughs> <laughs> just picking out orange pe- orange peel out of the uh, Nan's ashes. The difference that uh, what I, I found amazing about it was it was the pure charisma of Buddy. Because you're right, he was the one kind of doing crowd control. Like the fact that he he meted out enough grins and smiles and fist pumps. Like it was sort of intermittent. He would get serious when he had to advance yeah. ten meters. Then he'd give the crowd a bit of a you know a smile and cheer. I remember when I was a kid when Plugger kicked his hundred at Moorabbin and everyone ran the field. Plugger was throwing elbows. He was snapping yeah. flags. He was like pushing kids into the ground. He Mate, was I'd, not having any of it. <laughs> I'd go one further. The the entire night, Buddy conducted the crowd and the event like mm. a symphonic conductor at an orchestra. It's getting towards the end of the first quarter, you're thinking, oh, he needed four. And I, I must, I went into the, the night totally 50-50 as to whether he'd get four against Geelong. And the team has made it clear, we're playing for the team here all the way. We will win this with him getting none rather than risk, you know. So I thought it was 50-50. Right near quarter time, he grabs his first one. And from that moment, there is a buzz around the place. Yeah. There's a bit of a delay after that, but every time he comes near the ball, he gets to in the third quarter quickly. He gets the third one to go to 999, and he really lets some emotion go. And from that moment, the place was amped. He got he got you know subbed off for an interchange, just booze from 36,000 people. There was a bit where he got up thinking he was the next interchange to come back on. Cheers. Guy interchange holds and says, no, mate, another 30 minutes. No, we're bringing someone else off first. So he goes to sit down again. A cacophony of booze. And the Swans <laughs> who've played it really well in that they have just kept playing as a team. We're 30-odd points up. In the last quarter, you saw Errol Gould was one, did a dinky kick, just trying to – they just suddenly started to try and go for him. My theory is this. Five minutes to go. We're up by 30-odd. The game is over. You're a Geelong fullback. You have the chance to say to your kids, I was there when it happened. And it's not going to influence the result. Or you let him get it two minutes into the second quarter next week against the Bulldogs on his way to kicking 15, Will. Um, but you know, and I, I don't, I'm not saying Geelong gave it to him, but there was just the Swans had all this momentum and wanted that goal a lot more than Geelong had the will to try. So it was just going to happen but the way that he left it until five minutes to go in an in an absolute thumping was just pure poetry because everyone just ran on unbridled it was just it was unbelievable now i did hear that clarko was there in a sydney swans yep uh any chance that there's going to be some sort of transition plan at the swans is this the first thing is is clarko <laughs> clarko to the swans is longmire going to step aside after the premiership well, it was an interesting one because one of the one of the TV cameras they they picked up Clarko a few times and they said, "Oh, Clarko only had three beers in the night. Just every time we went to him, he was having a sip of one." I think Clarko was partying and was not thinking in any way about taking the reins of any AFL club in the near future. He was having a great time. If he came on, just as the Sydney Swans, just sort of party planner, just getting amongst it, 
on the cans. He looked good in a swan scarf, but I think I think I think Horse Longmire is safe for a little while just yet. Adam, we won't uh, keep you much longer. So just before we let you go, uh, Swans looking very good this year. What are your hopes and dreams for the end of the year? It is a, it's a good young bunch. I thought we slightly overperformed last year to make that top six, mark it up against GWS, but be you know there or thereabouts. If this mob play as well as they can, Top four is a realistic expectation, but it's a young group and it's a matter of whether those kids can, when real pressure comes on, hold up. The old dogs are looking good. Luke Parker's looking good. That sort of thing you've seen tactically where there's a couple of guys a couple of years older in the midfield, so Parker can go forward. Kennedy can drop back. Paddy McCartan, I I, I hope you, you wish him well, Charlie. It's just beautiful oh, to yeah. see him Fantastic. clunking big marks at the back, playing alongside his brother. Well, we've got a, we've got a long... St Kilda's got a long tradition of palming off power forwards <laughs> to Sydney who become superstars, and now it looks like we're doing it with defenders as well, so <laughs> it's great. A, yeah. lot of, a lot of people didn't actually see it, but during the game when Buddy kicked his thousands... Charlie ran out and tried to give Paddy McCartan concussion. <laughs> <laughs> there was one great quote that I loved about it all. Jude Bolton put out on social media about Buddy to the fans of the AFL. He might not be your favourite player, but he's your favourite player's favourite player. And there was, there was just, it was just a beautiful to have this moment where the whole game, you know, regardless of who you support, had a moment to say, wow, there's a superstar doing something amazing we might well never see again. Will he get another year on his contract? Will this contract that they said he'd never make it to the end of, <laughs> like, is there a chance that they will actually have to extend this contract? The, the, mate, the talk is if he, at the moment, yeah, no one's talked seriously about it, but if it keeps going like this at the end of the year, if he wants another year, mm. he will absolutely get it. And if, if nothing else, just to rub a few people's faces in it, Yeah. You know? <laughs> He can play till 40 as far as I'm concerned. Well, I'll, I'll be running on for his 2,000th. Go, Bart. <laughs> Spence, thanks so much for joining this show. Uh, I'm sure we'll check in with you again to see how the Swans are doing. Can I just say quickly, guys, it's the first time I've been on the show in the new regime where I had, I had to download a different sort of app to connect as a guest. So I, I needed to I, I need to be a guest on your show. I needed to download a free app that took me the best part of maybe twenty, almost twenty five seconds. What the fuck is going on? I mean, I've been loyal to you guys for a ten year and a free app just to be a guest on your. Doesn't happen with Hamish cut and his Andy. Mic, please, Mike, cut him off. He's gone. Go Swans. Thanks, Thanks Spence. It's uh, time for everyone's favourite segment, the Pocket Profile. Thank you to everyone who's been sending in uh, Pocket Profiles. You can do that um, at Two Guys One Cup AFL. Uh, we're also on Facebook, and you can email us at Two Guys One Cup AFL at gmail.com. Uh, going a bit of a different direction um, today, Will, I thought we could do a vintage Pocket Profile. Hawks had a big win on the weekend. So I thought we'd uh, dip in to the mind of Hawks Brownlow medalist and premiership player Shane Crawford. Now, what's your impressions of Shane Crawford? Before we get to the pocket profile, just give me some like your your rough uh, profile of Shane of Shane Crawford. Okay, so here's what I would say: uh, like fun, like champion footballer, uh, well loved, um, but more you sort of your fun joker Dougie Hawkins style character rather than your serious, you know, political, you know, footy commentator style character. Um, but also 
um, I know particularly these days, like a super athlete, like does a whole, a whole lot of, you know, raising money for charity and doing big bike rides and stuff, very passionate about the community and, and, and things like that. That would be my, my crawl, but fun, you know, fun loving as well. I think that's, that's going to hold you in good stead, especially the part about, you know, um, him okay. being way, way into fitness. The other thing I think you'd say about Croft was he was a very good look, still is a very good looking man, but back in his day had the blonde tips, was a very good looking guy. I'm sure in the mid nineties, he did very well before Buddy's hundred. I'm sure Croft probably gave it a bit of a nudge as well. Um, this profile was conducted in the uh, mid to late 90s. I don't know exactly when, but I'm going to say it's okay. probably like 96, 90, 97. Um, so he, all right, well, I won't tell you because this relates to one of the first questions, but um, okay, okay. So uh, let's give me his name. Shane Crawford. Correct. All right. Good. Off to a good start. Quick hands. Okay. Now, um, his birth, his, the month of his birth is September 9th. What year was he born? Oh, okay. Um, so I would say nineteen seventy nine. No, nineteen seventy four. Oh, he's, he's the same age you. as me. Oh, same age as you. Oh, yeah, right. Same well, age as you. Well, no, no. Well, I, I, I'm a little bit older than he, but same, six months same or something. Year. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I was thinking uh, he was younger than me, which was what I was basing my entire guess off. I didn't have any <laughs> sense of when he like started in the game or when he was born. I was literally just going, how much younger does Shane Crawford look than me? And I thought, at least kind of five years? <laughs> I gave him five you years. You think he looks younger than I don't me? Know if that's like a comp compliment <laughs> you to him me. or like an insult to me. I was like, yeah. I'm definitely five years older than Crawford. Okay. Uh, now, this is a good one. What is okay. his nickname? And it's not one of those six degrees ones. This is actually pretty obvious. And I think speaks to the Croft. top. No, it speaks to the era oh. in which he was, you know, at his peak in the, in the mid nineties. Um, there was a celebrity uh, who shared his surname. Uh, Crawford, Cindy. His nickname is Cindy. Nickname was Cindy. Um, okay. Now he's uh, in his early to mid twenties. So the question is, are you married or in love? Uh no. No is the answer. <laughs> Correct. Neither. <laughs> not married or in love and do not intend to be for the duration of my football career. Um, okay. Uh, what car does he drive? Oh, okay. Now, uh, could it be a club sponsor or is it like a like a fancy car that wouldn't be a club sponsor? I don't sponsor? think I'm actually just going to – I'm actually not – I don't even think they make this car anymore. It's. A, I think it's a Ford, okay. so it's not a club sponsor. Mm -hmm. Let me just look it up to see if it's a sports car uh, or not. A laser, a Fairlane. No. A um, uh, Ford Falcon. They make that still. Um, okay. It's a, yeah, it's a, it, was, it, it was definitely a sporty-er car, but it's not. Oh, okay. It's, right. You know what? It's like the equivalent of a Mazda R. It's a Ford Capri, which yeah. is just nothing. It's like a, you know, it was probably a convertible. <laughs> Uh, it, it probably, that strikes me as a dude who's yet to negotiate his big contract. He's probably on yeah. like first first year right. player wages still. Yeah. Okay. Um, who was Dermot's his... like parking his Ferrari next to Cross? For, you know, yeah, that's right. His Capri. Capri. <laughs> you still driving your Capri, mate? <laughs> um, okay. Who was his sporting hero as a kid? Uh, f this guy is a famous Hawthorne supporter. Um, uh, okay. international sportsman won one of the most famous sporting events in the world Pat Cash Pat Cash 
That's handy, isn't it? You play for Hawthorne and that's where your childhood hero plays for. Bit of Pat some Cash. Controversial opinions about vaccines. Oh, they all do these days, don't they? Pat Cash. Well, you can't bring up a former great. <laughs> Anyone without... you used to like, <laughs> Pat Cash. There's always, like, didn't Pat Cash also confess to, like, taking cocaine or something before games as well? It's like, I'm not going to take a vaccine, yeah, yeah. but. Yeah. Really cares about, <laughs> no, a bit of cocaine before a game, sure. Um, Their band was a little bit too tight. Okay. Now, I think you're going to nail this one. If you weren't a footballer, what would you be? And I think, you know, in your preamble to Shane Crawford, you kind of hit the, the nail on the head with this. Oh, okay. So, well, I mean, it could be like an entertainer or it could be working with kids or it could be like an, an athlete of some kind. Like they're the three that I Yeah, so which on. one are you going to pick? So... Um, I'm going to say working with kids. Oh my God. That would be the last of my choice. No, professional athlete or Ironman. That was, uh, that's what he, that's what he wanted to do. Uh, okay. I thought it might just be a little, you know, sort of putting it out there that like he likes to, you know, I just thought it might be good for the reputation, but it's too early. It's too early in his career. I think this is like pre footy show fame. Because I know okay. that from the footy show, that's when he started getting interesting in performing and even acting. Like he took acting classes. I know a, mm-hmm. an actor who used to work with him. In fact, this actor once, this is like 20 years ago, I remember working with him and he was saying, oh yeah, I'm working with this footballer. I'm helping him write a feature film. Um, it's all about, uh, it's like this like, you know, uh, action adventure that happens during the Hawaiian marathon. And I'm like, oh, who's the footballer? He's oh. gone, Shane Crawford. I'm like, oh. Uh, who does he imagine will star in the lead role? And he's like, oh, yeah, he's running it for himself. Like, <laughs> Pretty obvious. Um, okay. Uh, what is his ultimate non-footy sports fantasy? Um, well, I'll give you a clue. It's to well, be the number one in this sport. Yeah. And it's not Iron Man. Oh, it's not Iron Man? No. Okay. All right. Uh there is hints. Um, there's hints in his earlier like answers he, to what this. Yeah. Sport so might cyclist be. is it like a oh, oh okay hints in his earliest answer Ten, tennis player tennis world player. number one tennis world player. number one tennis player. Now here we. This is my favourite um, answer. It's 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 a long one. Like there's there's the seven people to name seven guests at a dinner mm-hmm. party. Now this is pre LeBron, so it's oh, got it's all guests at a dinner party. <laughs> it's immediately okay. it's immediately difficult. You're gonna have to give me some categories here to help. Oh yeah, guess. okay, for sure. Okay, so there's no LeBron, but there's Le- the LeBron of his time. So that's the that's easy. Okay, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is one. Um, uh, now there is three babes. Um, one is a, I mean she's probably the most famous Australian babe. Ever, uh, international okay, El McPherson, um, and he qualifies that El McPherson then in brackets for obvious reasons. In case any of us thought it was because he wanted to discuss her yeah. her business now with her uh, lingerie brand. No, no, no. He wanted to talk. Uh, he wanted someone so Pat Cash could talk vaccines yeah. with somebody. <laughs> oh, she also. I'm not El. The body. Oh, yeah. oh God. She's like, I like my body, just not coursing with vaccines. Yeah, she dated Andrew Wakefield, who's the doctor who did that original, oh, right. uh, you know, uh, who's study the about the, the, the fact the fake autism study. That him, the, the guy who basically oh. started all the modern trouble. She dated him. He, he came up with a con that ruined <laughs> half the world, and he was rewarded by getting to date El McPherson. That sucks. Okay, um, the other babe is in uh, one of the biggest pop stars of all time. 
Madonna. Madonna. And then the third babe, it was on a very popular TV show at the time uh, that uh, co-starred a superhero. Oh, okay. Lois and Clark. So Terry Hatcher. Terry Hatcher. There you go. That's a very of its time answer, right? Like the other two. <laughs> yeah, totally. You could almost still answer. have. But Terry Hatcher is a real of its era answer. <laughs> well, um, okay. Now this next guest, I would, I imagine uh, in light of, fair, well, you know, ongoing revelations, but uh, especially in the last 10 years or so, you would not want um, your nephew or niece or any children. Michael Jackson. At this dinner party, Michael Jackson. <laughs> uh, uh, then there's a teammate uh, that I'm sure you've never heard of, Mark Graham. Mm. And then he's uh, he's very sweetly named his best friend, who's female, and her name is Olivia Anderson. So that's nice. I like in his seven guests at dinner, he's got like five international stars, and then his teammate, and then his best mate, yep. Olivia. Which My teammate, like. Olivia, um, Madonna, Michael Jackson. <laughs> Terry Hatcher. It's a very Clark. I love Lawson Clark. <laughs> what do you think the rationale though? Like he's obviously invited like three babes that he thinks are hot. So L, Madonna, and Terry. Like, is he just like hedging his bets? It's like, well, if I don't, if I don't get anywhere with L, like I, I can go back to Terry and maybe. Is that, is that nah, maybe thinking? Mark Graham's a big, you know, Terry Hatcher fan. Like it might oh, not be right. cool. He's, he's like, sorting out his yeah. wingman. He's like, I'll take Al and Madonna and Mark <laughs> and Terry Hatcher. Okay, what was his most memorable match? Mm. Uh, his debut, his first, his first game. Correct. His his first game, which was against Melbourne at Waverley. I actually can't remember much of the game. I just remember the feeling of running on the ground with the guys I'd grown up watching on TV. Right. So not not his most memorable game. Oh, yeah, exactly. I don't remember much. That's hilarious. I remember, literally. <laughs> What's your most memorable game? My first one. I don't remember much about it. <laughs> don't remember much about it. And it's your most memorable? Do you, Do you understand the question? Are you in the movie Memento? <laughs> Have you got like instructions tattooed on your arms? What's going on? Uh, what is the most annoying thing in football? And this is something that you and I can relate to uh, in recent times as the host of Two Guys, One Cup? Um, when our teams, when the team loses. Yeah, but further than that, what have we been enduring a lot? No, no premiers. No, 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 no. Uh, what do we, sorry, what have we what, been What have we been enduring? Like, what have we been um, copying a lot of uh, since a recent announcement? Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, that is, it, hang on. The most annoying thing about football is that it's moved to the listener app. It's <laughs> exclusively, <laughs> yeah, correct. The most annoying thing about football is su- supporters after a loss. <laughs> okay, so yes. Okay, uh, who's your best mate at the club? Do you remember his name? Mark Graham. Mark Graham. Uh, any football superstitions? This is a pretty common one. He, he stri- he's, he's, yeah, I was going to say, he strikes me as the guy who would have a superstition. So I'm going to say yes, definitely. Um, it's a game, day, probably a game day thing. Maybe a uniform thing. Is it a uniform thing? No, is it but it is related wearing? to it. Yes. Okay. okay. Uh, and this is something that I could uh, see Crawford. Doesn't run through the banner. Doesn't run through no, the banner. No, 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 no. No, I said it is something no. to do with what he's wearing. It's apparel based. And oh, okay. The item, the clothing item in question is something that yep. I imagine Croft wears a lot. 
Okay. Um, well, we all wear a lot. Make sure I always oil up. <laughs> uh, wear underpants. Wear the same underpants, which is a blue pair of Speedos. Yeah. Um, okay. Mm. Uh, who is your roommate when you're on the road? So he says it varies. Um, he names three. He names three players. Uh, two are very uh, legends of the club, and one is a pretty obvious answer. So I'll go for the most obvious one. Yeah, Mark. So Mark, Mark Graham. Yep, and he's the best because he's so relaxed and easygoing. Yep. And then two legends of the club. One's a Brownlow medalist. And the other one is also, uh, uh, well, the other one is still in the media. One's a Brownlow medalist and one is still in the media. So Brownlow medalist at Hawthorne, like it's, it's, I mean, this is too late for Jason Dunstall, isn't it? No. Or is it? No, okay, I'm going to say Jason Dunstall. Correct. Um, Jason Dunstall is one of them. And the other one is still in the media, did you say? No, 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 no. So Jason Dunstall never won a brown yep. low. <laughs> yeah, and but you know why he's the worst? Because yep. he's filthy. <laughs> I can imagine that. Um, I mean, I think Dermy's nickname for him for a while was Pig, wasn't it? Yeah, it's true. And then, so the other one's a brown low medalist, is your saying? Yeah. So, yeah, um, he's a South Australian. Um, oh, um, uh, so did Darren Jarman win the Brownlow medal? No, no, not Darren Jarman. Um, Wanganeen. No, let me no, just. He didn't, no, let me play for Hawthorne. Let me just. I'll give you a clue. This 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 guy is um, uh, not liked by gangsters. Gangsters have no time for these kind of guys. He's a real. He's a real. <laughs> um, He's a bit of a rodent, you might say. Oh, of course, the plat, the rat, John the plat, <laughs> the plat, John Ratton, the plat. Uh, yes. <laughs> Sorry, John Ratton, the plat. Yeah, uh, John Platton, the rat. Uh, It'd be great if he actually platted his hair one week, and he goes, "No, no, this is my evil cousin, John Ratton, the plat." <laughs> Brett Ratton and John Platton. You've never seen him in the same room together, have you? Uh, three questions to go. Um, okay, so what was the scariest moment in his life? Uh, I don't even know how to give you clues on this. Okay, so he was fighting with his Is brother. Non-football? He was... No, no, no. It was a family thing. So when he was 12, he was fighting with his little so brother. something and... when he was young. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Something happened with his brother when they were 12. They were fighting. Oh, his brother played for Sydney. I didn't know that. Justin Crawford. Okay, so he didn't kill his brother. That's good. Um, good to know that he didn't murder his brother when he was 12. But you're in the ballpark. Uh, yeah. You're in the they, ballpark. They were fighting and he, uh, his brother fell off something or nearly choked or like got in an accident, some sort of... He put him his brother in a headlock, heard a crack and thought he'd broken his neck. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah, his brother's got to learn he's got to protect his neck. <laughs> yeah. Um, favourite cartoon character? Oh, interesting. One of the big. So, are we talking like Looney Tunes, like a like a yeah, yeah. in that yeah, in that, thing, in that, or are we talking in that genre, in that children children's icon? In fact, you'd say a corporate icon these days. Okay, Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse. Yep, correct. And then the last question: If you had to cook a meal to impress someone, what would you cook? And my clue is that I imagine he made this for a number of young women through the nineties. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so the nineties. Think so about been, is it, think is about what 
So it's not dinner and it's not lunch. Okay. Oh, <laughs> because. Okay. It's, it's a breakfast. Yeah, Is it's that a what breakfast. you're saying? Yes. You made, made a lot of people. My main meal that I cook to impress people is breakfast, <laughs> yeah. if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> That's what I'm so, saying. Is it a special type of breakfast? Is that no, what we're talking about? Like a, f- a fairly stock standard uh, breakfast. That scrambled you eggs. Close. Bacon and eggs. <laughs> and so... Bacon and eggs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I imagine... Uh, I imagine after a, a night on the town, uh, he yeah. was making bacon and eggs for quite a few young women. So that was the pocket profile <laughs> for this week. Um, well, we want to introduce a new segment before we get to the letters. Um, our okay. producer, Podcast Mike, is... Uh, this is his big year of footy. He grew up watching the footy and then he sort of drifted away from it and he's trying to get back into it. And so we've called this segment Open Up Mike. Uh, thank you to Adam Spencer for giving, giving us the name of this segment. Uh, so Mike is going to uh, ask a question because something he's noticed about the football that we can answer. Mike, welcome on air to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me, guys. Were you eating something? I, 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 I'm, I'm not going to judge you, by the way, for doing Is that. Is everyone eating but me? <laughs> that I am also eating something. I was eating a snack before, and I <laughs> I uh, strategically tried to go before you guys would throw to me, but unfortunately that hasn't worked out well, so there's still crumbs in my mouth. Um, but I'll charge on. <laughs> yeah. So this is Open Up Mike, where we try to open up the world of football to Mike, mm. rather than actually opening up Mike. But like we also open up you, Mike, to the audience of two two guys, one cup. So, um, what 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 have you noticed about football this week? So I was watching the game that has been discussed already extensively on this pod, where Buddy Franklin scored his one thousandth goal. And I noticed something interesting in the commentary that I wanted to learn more about, which is when James Brayshaw Mm -hmm. said, this may never happen again, ever, because of the way modern AFL is played. What does that mean? Why would it be different now than it would have been in the past? Why are less goals being kicked that's my question for you guys. That is, a, that is a great question. And it's a question the AFL are also asking, how can we kick more goals? I think JB, though, no, JB's more just looking at the geopolitical situation around the world. He's saying this will be the last time someone <laughs> yeah. kicks a 1,000 goals because we're going into World War Three. There's Japanese encephalitis. Um, obviously, at the moment, you know, there's like a climate crisis in Australia. JB's just... JB's a citizen of the world, and he's just saying, we've got a ticking time bomb on this planet, and there's no way somebody's going to sneak in a thousand goals before it all goes up in flames. Charlie? I, I also, <laughs> I had that commentary as well from a, from a few different people and, and thought that was strange because I'm like, that's assuming that football evolves all the time. And yeah, okay, so the current, you know, with zones and double teaming and stuff like, you know, it's not one-on-one anymore where you get like a forward one out with the opportunity to kick bags of 10 a game. But what's to say that the game won't evolve again? Like the new kind of Clarko coach will come along and revolutionise the way, you know, tactics are used where you just pull all the players out and leave a one-on-one play. If there's another Wayne Carey type, a player who's so dominant and the and the and and they create like, you know, a Pagan's Paddock type situation, isn't it possible that we could see a thousand goals again? Everyone is so certain that it won't happen again. But I agree, Mark. It seems like a, a strange observation. Yeah. I, I, well, the one thing I will say about the thousand goals is it's very unlikely because you need, like in the days when people were kicking 100 goals a season, 150 goals a season, you obviously you could knock it over in like a decade, you know, at that rate. Whereas these days, if your people are more 
to be a top goal kicker, if you average 50 or 60 goals a season, that means you then have to play for like 15 to 20 years. So to get that rare circumstance where someone like, I mean, what's Lance Franklin? He's 36. So, you know, for him to be a dominant forward, but also to play for as long as he has played for to get to the thousand, you've got to have that combination of not only being a gun forward, but also having longevity to be able to do it these days. Mike, uh, so you saw Buddy kick his thousands. I can never say a thousandth goal. Did What did you think of that moment when everyone ran onto the field? Did you get anxious for Buddy? Did you think something bad was going to happen? Oh, I thought it was... I thought it was really surprising that it happened because there was only about five minutes left on the, on the, uh, what are the, the timer that there was five minutes left of play and it was Geelong <laughs> they were playing against, right? Was it, it was Geelong? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I yeah. actually kind of thought, I said to my housemate, oh, surely they're not going to come back and play the last five minutes. Yeah. There's no way Geelong can win. You'd just call right. it, wouldn't you? Just but apparently it. It, works on, it works on total points, so you still need every point. Is that is that correct? I mean, there's a percentage, but I think that both teams could have just gone, you know what, like we weren't going to come back and win this. Let's just all go home. I think what you both you guys are forgetting is the AFL is uh, runs on gambling money <laughs> and they cannot do That's anything true. to alter the scoreline, possessions. Like, you know, if they do anything like that, they're, they're in the pocket of, of big gambling and there's no way that they're going to alter that. They, if they had to play the game after midnight, they would have brought the players back to get that last five minutes played out. Yeah, so yeah, Monday morning at AFL House, there's a guy called Vinny in Gil McLaughlin's <laughs> office just going, you've got a nice, lot of nice trophies here, Gil. <laughs> be a real pity if anything happened to all these nice shiny trophies. Uh, all right, Mike, thank you for joining us this week. We'll be uh, back again next thank time you, we Mike. have an observation of the game. Uh, Will, let's get to some correspondence from the listeners. Um, uh, so if you want to reach out to us, you can at, at two guys one cup AFL on Instagram and Twitter, or you can send us an email at two guys one cup. AFL um, at gmail.com. Well, this is uh, from Shay. She said, 2018 was the year of the Pies banner game. Uh, Sorry, 2018 was the year the Pies banner game was top notch until the fateful collapse on grand final day. So is this new banner about Kane sign of things to come? Are Collingwood grand final bound? What do you reckon about that? Do you believe in omens? Do I believe in omens? Uh, No, not really, Mm. but omens are fun. Like, I, I, you know what? The Bulldogs in 2016, and maybe this is... Well, you might have the Danny McGinley curse, I reckon, at the Bulldogs. Because, like, <laughs> he was the curse? banner man. And he got us to the grand final. We won that grand final in 2016. And then, you know what? He was discarded yeah, right. by the club. You know what I mean? He's like one of those guys that... Remember yeah. when Paul Hogan, you know hooked up with Linda Kozlowski and everybody was like sad because like he'd had this like really kind of normal Australian wife that we all loved and then he got seduced by the glamour of Hollywood by this beautiful movie star and I think that's what the Bulldogs were like when it came to Danny McGinley they didn't realise that a lot of that 2016 premiership had been on the back of Danny McGinley's hard banner work and I think Collingwood have seen it Collingwood have gone back McRae he's a guy he strikes me as a guy who likes his banners yeah, you know, always a curious yeah. guy, a student of the game maybe, of football. <laughs> maybe it's a Scottish thing. It's McGinley, McRae. It's yeah. like 
that there's something there's something about the Scottish heritage. It's like, well, we some Celtic mysticism <laughs> that is getting teams the win. You know what happened? They probably got sat next to each other at a game or something. Right. There was probably some function. Yeah, yeah. And it was in alphabetical order. And Craig McRae's found himself next to Danny McGinley at a lunch. Yeah. And they've worked out that the real secret to 2016 <laughs> is the banners. And McRae's come in with a banner-based recovery program. Sounds brilliant. Uh, James says, Buddy caught my eye. But should fans be allowed or encouraged to storm on the field in more circumstances? Oh, what would you like to see players run onto the ground for? No. I mean, I think if you could use it tactically, like, you know, famously when Fraser Gehrig kicked his 100 and all the fans ran to the field, it, it like took all the Saints' momentum away. And a lot of people were saying, well, that just played into yeah. the Crows' hands. Like, if it was legal that your team, like your, you could get your supporters to run on the field to halt momentum. I'd like to see that. Once per season though. So you get at the start of season, each of the teams gets one, everybody gets to run onto the ground. So obviously if you've got like a buddy's going to kick his thousandth, then you just got to save it for that. Yeah. Right. You got to go, you know what? We've got a big milestone this year. We're encouraging everybody to run onto the ground when buddy kicks his thousandth. Maybe you got to like a player who's going to play, 300 games, 350 games, like something like that. Maybe it's like, you know, 100 goals in a season. You know, something that you could genuinely celebrate in that traditional style. But if you're a North Melbourne, like maybe you're just allowed to use it in another circumstance. Yeah. You're like, at some stage during the season, we're going to encourage everybody to run on the ground. Lucky kick six goals, close enough. Yeah, that may be the highlight of the season. Come on, everybody. Uh, Matt uh, wants to know, is it fair that Dave Roden is allowed to goal umpire for his old team, Port? I think get Dave Roden to do more. My favorite thing is Dave Roden in the in the um, Legends games doing his like doing the worm and you know backflipping and all that kind of stuff. I reckon have Dave Roden umpire as many games as he want, but he's got to dance, got to constant. He's got to be the dancing goal umpire. I still to this day think that it should be every team should have to nominate one of their ex players to be the goal umpire at their own games. I'd like to see it a bit more country footy, junior footy style. Like, you know, so that Port Adelaide can have Roden, but the Bulldogs have got to supply a Brad Hardy or a, somebody <laughs> also, to, like Danny Southern, yeah. to go and goal umpire at the other end. Uh, Samil says, I'm shocked Collingwood are top two. And I'm a Pies fan. I guess Fly has us flying so high, there's no more backs against the wall because we've flown over the wall. That is interesting, isn't it? Like, we haven't talked about the back. There's been no wall to speak of this season. The, the Pines have found a new way to win. Yeah, they got rid of the wall. It's a banner-based recovery. They've gone, walls are out, banners are in. You know what banners are? Walls that you can smash through, guys. <laughs> like, literally, at the start of every... <laughs> he probably did it at the start of pre-season training. They could put together a banner that was just like a brick wall, and he made them smash through the wall as part of the process. He brought Rob. He brought Robert Walls down to training, <laughs> and he just made all. He just made all the players just like tackle him. See, you can overcome a walls. It's easily. He's like, he's an old man. Are we meant to be doing this? No, keep going. This is the secret to the season. I love that they were all calling him Fly. That is the thing that I I was not aware of until this point that Craig McRae's nickname was Fly. But now that I've... Because I guess they called him Bucks, maybe. Like, they would say Bucks. But like the idea that they're calling their coach Fly and that everybody calls him Fly is interesting to me. I don't know... It's not as respectful as Bucks. Yeah, it's, it no. seems like a ba it seems like a nickname you get for something like... Oh, he ate shit once. Yeah. <laughs> I did oh, yeah. that. Like, Loves season, hanging around he shit. He ate shit. Remember that time there was shit and he like just hung around it for ages and then when we were looking, he ate some of it? Anyway, it's called Fly. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, well, you'll remember that uh, we mentioned last week Mason Cox wearing his glasses should only be allowed to wear his glasses on the game if he does a David Caruso-style yes. raise at the end of it. Um, well, a listener has written in um, with their suggestion, um, not for the Collingwood game, but he would say... Uh, after what happened to the Bulldogs last week, I guess you could say that Will is feeling the blues. <laughs> and that's a segment we can bring back uh, when Mason Cox actually takes the field again. Um, LD2016CG uh, is not actually uh, sending us an anti-vax message. This is a genuine question. Can Bevo still get the dogs to a grand final with no wins during the home and away season? Uh, No wins. No wins around here, mate. No wins. We got no wins. (laughs) Here? No wins. We got no wins. You looking for wins? We got no wins, mate. <laughs> um, I mean, look, it's it's hard, hard work, but it's a long season, as they say. Uh, Beer Dave is very concerned that Carlton aren't going to be crap. Yeah, man, you and me together. Cameron wants to know: Is Dwayne getting paid bonus every time he refers to a player as a beast? Or oh, he's a beast. He's a oh, midfield he's a beast. beast. You know, another term that I've noticed creeping in mm. is nourishment. Um, scoreboard nourishment and then I heard uh, today a coach talking about that um, uh, they got some nourishment for their efforts it's like when when did this come part of the lexicon nourishment yeah yeah no thanks Uh, Brothers wants to know your sink killing me might be working but if we talk about it will it stop working Uh no no the whole point is talking about it. you got to lean into it. Yeah, and I think, too, that the great thing about St. Killing Me is it doesn't have to just relate to on-field performance. Like, we had a win against Frio. It was a pretty scrappy, ugly game. And for the first half of it, it was like, oh, man, they are St. Killing Me. though. two goals, seven, I think, to halftime. Um, but there's, you only need to look at, like, our history of, of fuck-ups and the fact that Dan Hanabry, uh they've released another statement a few days ago saying Dan Hanabry has tweaked his calf and... We'll be going uh, back into uh, uh, rehab, uh, which is just fantastic. I mean, I love that our injury-prone player we send to Sydney and he becomes their number one intercept player. Their injury-prone player comes to us and plays 15 games over four years. I mean, you're You're killing killing me. (laughs) You are killing me. (laughs) All right, that's the show for this week. Thank you to everyone uh, who wrote in. Like I said, you can do that at Two Guys One Cup AFL on Twitter and Instagram, or if you'd like to send us an email, you can Two Guys One Cup AFL at Gmail. Dot com. Will, you've got some comedy shows coming up, is that right? I hope so. Uh, today, as we record this, I am hoping that I will be able to go to a flood benefit that I'm doing tonight, but it is uh, flooding here at the moment, so heavily. it's hard to know <laughs> if I will actually be able to get there. Uh, but hopefully if I can get out of here and I can get to Melbourne by Thursday... I will be debuting my Melbourne International Comedy F- Festival show. We're logical. That runs Hooray. for the entire comedy festival. The final night of the comedy festival, What You Talking About, Will, my improvised show. And then I'm off to Sydney and Brisbane. They are all on sale at the moment. So come along and that'd be great. And go to tofop.com to check out some of our other podcasts. We do one called Tofop, which is a bit like this with slightly less football talk. Uh, we have another one called Fofop, which is like Tofop, but Will and I are talking to other people instead of each other. Uh, and that's it. And thank, <laughs> thank you to Adam Spencer and thank you you to podcast mike for joining the show play on not 15 ball we are two guys one car listener